Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Raising Our Gifted Children, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Dr. Vermel Green. <laughs> I just suddenly went blank there on how to pronounce it, but Vermel Green, she's written this wonderful book of Please Teach Me Like a Boy. She is a teacher, um, and she's been there for like 43 years, I believe it is, and mm -hmm. And this is her passion. This is her dedication about educating children. But one day a boy came up to her and said, you know, it, the teacher seems to favor the girls. Please, could you teach me like a boy? And mm -hmm. we're inclined to clump everybody together as, um, as, you know, one sex and expense when it comes to education. But we know that we all individually learn in a different way. And we should kind of respect those learnings and not that, well, if you don't learn this way, then therefore you must be dumb. It's some people are artistic. Some people learn by conversation. Some people learn by the manual. And we need to respect the way people learn. And boys predominantly are actioners. They want to get into action. They want to participate. They want to kind of delve into something, not so kind of the book or the conversation. And we're not teaching our kids the way they learn. And the system has to change. And I think um, with our Forgotten Children series, a lot that comes to mind is our dysfunction of our young men out in society today is very much, I think, kind of rooted in the fact that we do not teach them how to be young men later, but we don't hear them, we don't listen to them, and we don't show them a path that they need to know educationally, spiritually, um, morally, or society. And so a lot has to change with the system, doesn't it, have Vermel? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And as you said, unfortunately, our boys have been left behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Why is that? Is it meant to be, I mean, you know, you get this idea that, oh, boys are smarter than girls. Um, girls need more attention. And no, you know, it, it's not nothing to do with the sex, is it? Although the sex it will learn in a different way, but it's got nothing to do with the brain matter, is it? Well, in fact, it does, Sarah. It um, does? Yes. If you were to look at um, brain scans, for example, uh, up until maybe 30, 40 years ago, when all they could look at, when they talked about brain research, all they could have were cadavers. But when, with the advent of MRIs and spec scans and um, uh, Im brain imaging, uh, they have seen that the brain definitely reacts in different things, male, female brains. Um, uh, Dr. Ruben Gurr, who's out of the University of Pennsylvania, did a lot of research. Doc Dr. Daniel A. Min did research as well. And it's, it's really fascinating. They would hook up all these wires to the, to the mm. brains of men and women, and then they would have them do certain tasks. And certain parts of the brain 
would light up when doing certain things. But the, the uh, uh, really funny thing about it is that the resting female brain has more going on than the active male brain. And that definitely sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> Shut up, brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing, the male brain has this fantastic ability to go into a resting state. Mm -hmm. The female brain, on the other hand, is always active always active, always thinking. And you can think of that. And, and, and God in his wisdom created our brains to be like that because we have to be multitaskers. Yes. Females. So we, our brains, you know, we can't just sit and veg out. You know, like, uh, Wouldn't that be nice? Hand, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Men, on the other hand, you know, they, and I tease my husband, um, there's a gentleman by the name of... Um, Oh my goodness, his name escapes me now. It'll come back. Mm -hmm. uh, but he does a series and he talks about how men have something called, you know, little compartments. And he has, they, he says that men have a little compartment he calls a nothing box. There's nothing in it. Mm -hmm. And that's men's favorite box. And they'll go <laughs> to their nothing box, you know, with a drop of a hat. And, and, I, and I love that, you know, because that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But we yeah. can't do it. We, make, we can't do that. We can't go into just a vegetative state and just sit and, you know, our brains are always, you know, what about the children? What about the bills? Then after yes. this, I got to go to the shopping. Da, 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 da. Yeah, there, there was a wonderful skit um, of a woman um, getting up off the couch. She said, well, I'm going to go to bed now. And she goes to the kitchen and she puts away everything. Then she makes lunch for the kids tomorrow. And then she makes sure the laundry's in. And then she makes sure this, you know, like an hour later, um, you know, she's about to get into bed. He said, I thought you were going to bed. I was. <laughs> you know? We can't just simply go to bed. No, you know? no, There's things that prepare for, for tomorrow. Yes. Where he just got up and said, I'm going to bed. And off he went. <laughs> I thought of his name. It always comes back. You yes, know, it goes, it does. Yeah. His name is Mark Gungor. Mm -hmm. And he does um, a YouTube video. He does a whole series, but if you get a chance, see it. It's called The Tale of Two Brains. Mark Gungor, G-U-N-G-O-R. It is, it is a wonderful date night video. And I, I just wish I had known it when I first got married because I just couldn't understand that my husband, as we're driving along mile after mile, not saying anything, and I would turn to him and say, what are you thinking? And you can look at me and go, nothing? Yeah, and mean it. <laughs> when you say to us, what are we thinking? Nothing. You know it's a lie. <laughs> you must be thinking about some woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, also our kids, um, you know, very much mimic their dads, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it, and it's like... Uh, I'm just kind of thinking of my ex-husband here is that he would come home from work and he would chill out and well, I've been working all day. And it's like, well, I have two. Oh, your work's not important, right? You know, because being a housewife and raising children was, mm -hmm. you know, is is it's nothing. Until oh, one wow. day, until one day I left him for a weekend to go and stay with a friend and I came back on the Sunday night I had to peel my children off the ceiling they <laughs> couldn't go to school the next day because they were so wired the house looked like a bomb had hit it dishes things everywhere and he was fast asleep 
It is incredible. And like you said, our little boys have that same brain. And what's happening, they're sitting in classes and the teacher really isn't interesting to them or what they're saying yeah. is interesting. And so they go into their little resting boxes yeah. and they zone out and all of a sudden they start staring out the window. And so the teacher thinks, oh, there's something wrong with this child. You know, <laughs> maybe he needs medication, you know, he needs oh. stimulation, whatever. No, you just need to change your teaching style. Yes, yes. My son had a wonderful teacher that had a bathtub in his classroom. He had a loft uh, that was made out of a tree. And, And so, you know, and he had these gummy bear things. And that if you finished your work satisfactory, you got to go and read either in the bathtub or in the loft, or you got gummy bear things that you could trade in later. And he would come in sometimes dressed as Einstein or, you know, come and dressed as something else. And my, my son loved him oh my because God. he was always inventive and engaging. And that's that we need to stimulate them, don't we? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Teachers have to realize they're competing against video games. Yes. Hot, you know, Internet and, and, and flashes like it, it, I think someone has quantified, you know, just how many different scene changes there are just in a TV program and a cartoon. Yes. yes. And then, so when you get up there and you want to be sage on the stage and just talk, 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 <laughs> talk, 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 not allowing them to move, not yes. allowing them to get up. And boys are going to have their recess, whether you give them recess or not. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're going to squirm and they're going to, you know, bounce. They're going to pound on the table. They're going to bother their friend. They will do anything because biologically, their muscles just need to move. They are wired to move. And so when you have classrooms where the instructional strategies is is just, you know, I'm going to talk, you listen. You know, that's not going to fly. <coughs> Excuse me. There's... um a wonderful um, video of a guy teacher, I think in Africa, I'm not quite sure where, but he gets his kids up dancing and kind of doing math equations or doing, you know, letters or doing something else. And they're all out there dancing, the girls, the guys, and Mm -hmm. he's dancing along with them and they're learning as they're dancing. So they're getting rid of, you know, the, the excess energy, right? They're, more likely to actually remember what they've just learned because they were excited about it right and he's got their attention absolutely absolutely oh my goodness we need more teachers like that oh god do we yes (laughs) I, i had the opportunity of um starting a school when i retired from the public school system i knew my pastor wanted to start a church I'm not, he already had a church. He wanted to start a school, a Christian school. So I went to him with all these statistics about how poorly our boys were doing. And I went to him and I said, pastor, how about this? How about a school, but one just for boys to teach them the way they learn. So he had a real heart for men. And so we did. And we started a school um, the day before 9-11, September 10th, 2001. I had one student. <laughs> and then after about five, six months, my enrollment doubled. I then had two. And so, but from then on, we, we went up. But one of the things that I insisted on doing is having my boys learn and we were going to teach them the way they learned. 
Um, one of my boys got in trouble once. Um, he transferred or his family moved and his mother called me. She said, uh, you know, Dr. Green, uh, Michael got in trouble in school. I said, Michael? I said, Michael's one of my best students. She said, he's got in trouble. His, sis, his um, teacher called me and said that he was taking a test and all of a sudden in the middle of the test, he just got up and started doing push-ups. And I had to laugh because that was one of the things that we allowed our boys to do. You know, if they were in a, taking a test and they needed a break, do some push-ups and get up and finish your test and, and keep on going. But in a typical uh, public school classroom, that's not really acceptable. But certain things you have to have, you have to be able to and be willing to break the mold and teach and have a uh, classroom that's very boy friendly. Teachers tend to teach the way they learn, you know? you know? So with the majority, vast majority of teachers, especially at the elementary and middle school level being female, they're gonna teach the way they learn. And it's connecting with the girls, you know? A lot of writing, a lot of reading, a lot of talking, but it's not connecting with the boys when you don't have a lot of experiential kind of learning going on, not of hands-on learning. So, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the boys initiative. We're trying to raise awareness of these issues because I tell you, Sarah, let's see, I was an educator. I have been an educator for over 46 years. Um, I was a teacher. I was assistant principal, principal, dean, you know, I kind of did it all at all levels, but I never attended a seminar or a professional development session or anything where they told me and taught us that boys learn differently than girls. And it wasn't until I was close to retirement, you know, because when I was at the high school level, teaching at the high school level and the boys weren't doing well, we just blamed it on the middle school teachers. And when I was at the middle school level and they weren't doing well, we just blamed it on the elementary teachers. What are, aren't they teaching them anything? So I finally had the opportunity to be at the elementary level and saw just where it was happening and had this kind of epiphany and began to do some research and said, wow, why aren't we teaching this to our teachers? And to this day, Sarah, still, I will do a presentation. In fact, I did one recently. There were only over 300 teachers and administrators in the audience. And I asked them, I said, please, Raise your hand if you've ever taken a class in your career, your education career that told you and taught you that boys learn differently from girls. And out of that 300 people, I had maybe 25 or 30 hands go up. It's not being taught, it hasn't been taught, and it's still not being taught, still. Uh-oh, I can't hear you, uh-oh. Sorry, it's not being recognized as a problem. Right. Right. And if you don't recognize what the problem is, how can you find the solution? And, you know, this is this is the I'm, I was terrible at school, mostly because uh, being an asthmatic, I was um, away a lot. So I missed out of 12 years of school. I missed six years anyway. Mm -hmm. And I learned differently. You know, I was like, um, the tactile conversational. I learn through the interaction. You know, mm -hmm. I don't learn from through the book. I yawn in the book you know to definitely literally yawn i can't do it so the manual meant nothing to me i also found out later I was dyslectic so that probably maybe was part of it i had a couple of teachers along my way that recognized the way i learned 
and they would take the time to sit down and have these conversations with me and they would weave the lesson in the conversation okay. wow. and so i came out with the knowledge because of that interactiveness rather than the the flat boring dictorian now turn to page 44 you know and and it's like um, i don't relate to this so yes. how can i learn it we want the education to be relatable Yes. You know, you're learning this for a reason. You can mm -hmm. apply this to such and such. Mm -hmm. There's another beautiful movie done, gosh, many years ago. I saw it over 20 years ago um, out of China, and it was not one less. And it was in a rural area, the schoolroom by day. You know, the desks were the school thing at night. They put them all together and the kids slept on top of the desk. One teacher, never enough chalk. And they lost one kid because he was a fast runner. So the government took him to run and train him for the Olympics. And the teacher's uh, mother became very sick and he had to leave. And so he turned to one girl, he said, not one less will I come back to. Nobody else can leave. Mm -hmm. And uh, put her in charge. And during that time, one of the other kids had to leave because his mother was sick and couldn't afford to work. And so right he back and uh, not one less and and was sent to um, to the main city to work. And the kids came together. How can they raise money to get him back? so that he could continue his education and they can honor their teacher. And the, the whole process of raising the money, doing the math, where is, where is the place? How do we get there? Became the geography lesson, the mathematical mm -hmm. lesson, the principal lesson, you know, it became so many lessons. And when the teacher came back, the kid was back and the, and the kids were so advanced you know? oh. and that is because there was a problem that collectively they had to put the heads together to work out why are we not doing that in our schools today right it has to be relevant it has yes. to be relevant um boys <laughs> uh their chemical makeup does not lend lend towards bonding as well as girls. Mm. And I say that because girls want to please the teacher. Chemically, they have that oxytocin that makes them want to please the teacher. Why do you have to learn that? You don't have to explain it to most girls. I have to learn it because the teacher says we have to learn it. Yeah. But with boys, you put something in front of him and he's going to be like, well, why do we have to learn this? Yes. I don't need to learn that. Yes. I don't want to learn that. Yeah, give me Look. a reason. What's this? <laughs> Calculus, what do I need calculus for? <laughs> well, see, the girls would say, oh, okay, we're going to learn calculus because, you know, because Miss Teacher says we have to learn calculus and mm. that's good because they want to bond. Oh, Sarah, I have to tell the story. I um, substitute teach sometimes. And so when I walk into the classroom, well, first of all, the kids say, oh, we've got to sub, we've got to sub, we got to sub. And the girls, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting pictures of me, you know, you, dear Dr. Green, you are so pretty. And I'm giving a picture and, and candy and flowers. And I'm like, oh, and you, the girls don't even know me. Yeah. The boys, on the other hand, are going like, oh, we got a substitute. Let's play sink the sub. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the girls are doing this because they want to bond with me. Mm. They want to be my friend. They want me to like them. It's important for me yes. to like them. For them to for me to like them not so with the boys right boys bond lit differently in fact that's one thing that i say in my book even before all the other lessons step one 
has to be, you have to form a bond with him. Because if you don't bond with the boy, he's not going to want to do what you say. He's not going to want to listen to you. He's not going to res respect, respect you in the way that he needs to respect you. So you have to bond with them. And boys bond differently than girls. Yeah. Like I say, girls naturally want to bond with you. That oxytocin, mm -hmm. you know, they just want to be your friend. They want to touch, whatever. Boys, you bond with them differently. You know, you bond with them through aggression, uh, you know, wrestling with them, punching them. Uh, something that used to, was the common term when I was growing up, you know, you had to play the dozens with them or the kids used to say they used to Joan, in other words, tease. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, man, your mama wears com combat boots. Oh, no, not my mom. Oh, your mama's lips are so big, she's got to use chapstick as a spray. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they trade, trade verbal barbs like that. And, they, and they're bonding, they'll tease. And really for a teacher or a parent to bond with their son or bond with their student, they've got to bond the same way that boys bond with each other. Mm. Um, Michael Gurian calls it aggression nurturance. You know, the, the wrestling and the tugging and the arm wrestling. You know, a lot of times teachers go, oh, oh, he's fighting. He's fighting with him. He's fighting. No, they're just saying hello, guys. <laughs> It's it's kind of like in the wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Girls bond through, you know, touching and talking with each other and, you know, uh, through touch and, and you know, hugging. Um, they, they bond, uh, like I said, naturally because of the oxytocin. But it's the nurture gene, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the women are, you know, all women are brought up with this nurture gene. And, you know, with the guy, it's kind of more, you know, the survival. <laughs> Can I make it through break without somebody giving me a wedgie? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as when they get to high school, you know, then it kind of, it's strutting their stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like yep. the pack, who's the pack leader? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it becomes territorial. And, uh, you know, the alpha, everybody's, you know, vying to be that alpha male. Um, and very often can turn into that violence because you haven't allowed them to express themselves when they're young and know the boundaries, mm. know when it's too far. And because you've suppressed that, now it's with, you know, the hormones of a teenager, um, it's screaming and raging, but doesn't have any control. Yeah. That happens, that happens because like you said, if you haven't done it when they were younger and again, formed those bonds and, and then you know, I, I was a high school um, assistant principal and I would have these, you know, 17, 18 year old men at that point, you right. know, years, and the parents would be saying, would, would be telling me, oh, we just can't do a thing with him. I said, oh, I guess not because when he was nine or 10, you know, acting this way, you thought it was cute and you just didn't do anything. I said, you can't change him now. Right. And it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking that yeah. so many parents have lost control of their sons, especially. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it doesn't help, you know, the glorification of, of, you know, the gangster, um, of the, um, I had somebody on the other day who, um, at the age of seven in Belfast, watched somebody being shot and die 
mm. uh, in front of him and calling out for his mother and it you know changed wow. his life and then his surrogate mother died and he was put into care and then from one care home to the next to the next and, and he went into crime mm. and at one point you know britain's biggest criminal and 20 years in jail and they, now what he's doing is you know completely the opposite and it's it was because this child um was never given stability never mm. never given the love that he needed never felt that he counted it was just like somebody taking care of him or you know mm. taking care of everyone else and ignoring him and you know outside the door was the vultures waiting for the people who feel lost and detached and waiting to suck them up and it happens anywhere in the world and if we don't prepare our children you know when they're young and show them how to express themselves how to stand up for themselves without violence um they're going to become victims later on aren't they yes yes they will and especially our girls um our girls crave male attention mm -hmm. and when they don't receive that from their fathers just like as you were saying the boys if they're not getting that that role model in a, in a father or a male figure then they are going to seek out whoever can and this, in the case of many of our boys it's gangs you know yes. they're looking for that camaraderie they're looking yeah, for that male place support. to belong yeah yes yes and with our girls you know that that's why so many you know why unwed um births are skyrocketing you've got all these little girls who are going out, they don't have a dad at home mm. or, or they're being ignored by their dad or maybe that, you know, the dad is away or whatever. And so they're seeking that, that male companionship and that male affection and the boys, you know, they will give affection for yeah. sex yes. and she'll give sex for affection. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, her heart is destroyed. Her heart is broken because she's bonded with this young man. Yeah. This young man whose oxytocin levels were really up there when he was trying to woo her have now plummeted. So he's not interested anymore. And she's wondering, you know, it's been five days. He hasn't called me. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just terrible. And, you know, I remember my dad, uh, in fact, he passed away um, about a year ago. And he, he was, in fact, he was my stepfather. He wasn't even my biological father. He was my stepfather from age four. But one thing he did, he made my sister and me feel so special. He used to tell us, you know, when we dressed up, he said, wow, you, you look cute. And now oh, let me give you a hug. Oh, I love you, baby. You know, you just, and so, you know, we, our self-esteem is just yeah. like, and so any young man who came along saying, hey, baby, I'm, I, I get hey baby from my daddy. I don't have to listen to you, you know. <laughs> my daddy tells me I look nice. I don't have to run after you so, so to have somebody tell me at night. Yeah. And so fathers are so important. And that's yes. another reason for our children, especially our black children. Yeah. Fatherlessness. You know, unfortunately, there's a there's a segment in the population in America who, who keeps saying the problems with our black our black boys or our black people is white supremacy. Mm -hmm. White supremacy is like down low on the list. Yeah. Number one is fatherlessness. Yes. Number two is substandard education. Mm -hmm. Number three will be illiteracy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our people have been here for hundreds of years. We've dealt with this white supremacy 
Jim right. Crow, whatever. But we have survived. Yes. We have survived. And the part that's really helped us to survive is our faith. As mm-hmm. our faith. In fact, that was step two in my book. Mm-hmm. After you bond with a boy, you have to lead him to a faith. And, the, and, and as a Christian, I say a faith in Jesus Christ because they need to know that there's something greater than they are. Yeah. They need to realize that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, having, you know, God or somebody calls it God, God, universe or spirit, whichever you choose to look at it as having that source in your life is always your conscious barometer, isn't it? It's your compassion barometer. It is the um, always knowing that you're not alone. That's yeah. is some, you know, some source of energy is always loving you and always there for you. And it's, um, it's also your generator. Mm-hmm. So that connection, you know, I think an awful lot of people that step into some form of violence of any kind, the, the true violence very often is, is the people that are in so much pain. Mm-hmm. They're in so much hate. They're yeah. so longing to love, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you've got the people whose hearts aren't even ignited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a, a foster mom here in my group on, on uh, the Forgotten Children series, and she only fosters boys. And, oh. she, and she made a, a deliberate choice on that so that she could concentrate on the boys. Mm-hmm. And she had one boy at 16 come to who had never in his life been hugged. never been hugged can you imagine that you know so people say you know well how can you switch on a you know switched off heart show compassion Mm -hmm. show love show a reason to smile and get up every day show that be be the god energy through your own actions Mm -hmm. and show that love to that child to anyone whose heart is switched off Um, Mm -hmm. it's up to them if they choose to switch it on but if you if you go in and give them the right atmosphere to switch it on in trust in real compassion then there's a reason for it to switch back on yes 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 that love you mm. know you know love's the answer you know the sing uh, songwriters have sung about it yeah and, and, yeah and, and jesus christ taught about it you know but that's it love is the answer to yes. so many of these issues well love so is actually a physical vibration that resonates at a high hertz and when you step into that love, you're stepping to, into the well-beingness. You cannot knowingly hurt anyone else when you're in that love platform. I love that. I like that, Sarah. That's good. If that. we can get people up to that high level of mm. that high vibration, they'll understand that love is all. Mm-hmm. You know, love, God is God. We are God. Universe is God. You know, we're all love. It doesn't matter what your faith is. It's all love. And love is not, well, you've got to be this or God will hate you or condemn you or this or that. Anytime that God is used in that way to, to condemn someone, I think is misuse of God's love. Yeah, because God loves the mother. He may disapprove <laughs> of actions, just like a mother will, mm-hmm. right? I disapprove of your choices, but God, mm-hmm. that's got nothing to do with the way I love you. Yes. Never use love. Yeah. Never use love as a punishment. Right. No, 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 never, never. Um, and unfortunately, some people do. Some parents do. Yes, and, they do. Uh, and, and that that the worst possible decision to do that to your child. Yes. You know, they're scarring them for life. Yes. For life. Yes. Absolutely. And those scars will manifest. Mm-hmm. They will come out. I mean, why do we have, you know, so many guys 
that may get married, have children and then leave, right? They leave. Uh, why is that? What's, what's missing in the upbringing that they feel that they can't deal with it or that it's okay for them to leave or that they're not now scarring their own children by leaving? Mm -hmm. And we see this so much even in abuse. People who have been abused end up abusing and they know it's wrong. They don't want to hurt, but it's so genetically wired in their programming. It's all they know. So we need to show them another path mm -hmm. so that they won't repeat it because they're repeating it unknowingly. Was that adage hurt people hurt people? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Yes, yeah. they, do. they do. Yeah. I know even with um, in my own family, um, you know, I shared with you that I had um, a stepfather. He was my stepfather from the age four. And um, my mom had gone to through a very painful divorce. And she was just, you know, destroyed. You know, she was just so hurt. And out of her hurt, what she ended up doing, unfortunately, was denying my sister and denying me an opportunity to get to know our biological mm. father's family. I've heard that so many like, times. You, yeah, and that happened so many times. And he had a huge family. He was one of 14 children. Mm. I at one time had 52 first cousins. Wow. Yes. <laughs> my, grandmother, my, my grandmother had actually, his mother had actually had, uh, I believe the count was 21 children, but only 14 lived to be adults. Mm. There were several sets of twins. My biological father was a twin. And um, so I grew up not knowing that half of my family. Right. And, and it all because of my mom was operating out of hurt, you know? And so I don't, yes. I try not to blame her because no, she was. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand, you know, because they're so hurt and they, you know, don't want to see the hurt going on. Um, but, you know, that, that my, my um, son's girlfriend recently met her father who she hadn't seen since child because the mother hated him so much. She denied mm -hmm. him her and she said he's a nice guy and all of these years mm -hmm. I haven't known him because of her bitterness mm -hmm. and I mean I'm always saying to people when you're divorcing and I'm divorced it kind of took two years before you kind of finally realize yes it's over <laughs> you know? um, mm -hmm. it don't bring your hate for one another you know uh, to the children this has got yes. nothing to do with the children right. and your behavior around the children should be different. Right, 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 right. In fact, Sarah, um, my husband and I were married for 14 years and we were divorced and we were divorced and separated for five and a half years. And then we remarried. Mm -hmm. And so we've been remarried now for over 28 years. Wonderful. So people, people say, well, how long have you been married? I said, 14 plus <laughs> 28, <laughs> but, but having gone through what my, I did as a child, I made sure that when we were divorced, my children, you know, I never talked badly about him in front of them or to them. Um, I never denied them the ability or the opportunities to spend time with him, right. to go out, you know, I, I, because of what I had gone through, mm -hmm. because pe parents don't realize the, the children, you don't have to tell, you know, if the parent I mean, or if the, 
the offending parent is a scoundrel, you don't have to tell the children. God, when no. They know. find out themselves. They know. Tell them. And you berating the parent, you know, that's half of your child. Yes. So they yes. think, well, you know, then that, if they're terrible, if they're a louse, then I must be a louse too. So, uh, and you grow up not resenting the parent you couldn't see, but you, you go up resenting the parent that denied you that opportunity. Yes. So even yeah. now we have, my sister and I have to work through a, a kind of bitterness toward mm-hmm. my mom. Mm-hmm. We're just now getting to know right. my uh, biological family and oh, wonderful people. Yes. Oh. Can you imagine, you know, the extension family would have been a village of oh, being there yeah. for each other, you know, and it's, it is so sad. You know, I told my kids, you know, actually it was my kids that told me to divorce. They said, come on, you know, oh. it's time, it's time. Oh. And, you know, and I said to my kids, you know, whatever relationship I have with your dad, and I didn't want to go down the lawyer's way. I didn't want to go anywhere. It was just take your time, let him see it for himself. And when the time is right, then you go, it's time, isn't it? Then, you know, then just keep it as peaceful as possible. Um, But I said to my kids, your relationship with your father is your relationship. I'm not asking you to take sides. Right. I love you. He loves you. We're both going to show our love in a different way. So whatever relationship you have with your dad is of your making. I'm yeah. not going to interfere. And we both walked our daughter down the aisle two, two years ago yesterday. Oh, wonderful. And we see each other now and again, you know, at family or group meetings and things like that. So it's been 20 years that we've been apart and we've both got on with our lives. But it's uh, thank you very much for three beautiful children, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so be grateful for what you did get out of it and, mm-hmm. you know, let go of the things that you didn't, you know, lesson learned. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, that's so important that you still have that relationship, that very amicable relationship yeah. between the two of you. That's so important. That's and what's so- why the kids pick up the bitterness? Mm-hmm. Now, you they know, when, when, when we were going through our extreme rough time, my son ended up being the mediator. And, you know, and that's why he said, come on, you know, you guys, you know, never going to fix this. You're so wrong for each other. It's time for the divorce. (laughs) The kids, you know, were, you know, like all in, I concur, because they didn't want to live in that atmosphere anymore. Right. And I was staying for the children. Mm. And, uh, And it was like, no, we're fine. We've got you. We've got each other. You know, Mm. we're fine. And we've got to listen to our children. We've got to let them have a voice. You know, we can't hide things from them. We can't uh, be dishonest. But we also need to show our own vulnerability because and give them a chance to step up and be there for us as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, That's one facet also, the boys initiative, that we offer resources for families mm. and, and hopefully, you know, families that visit our website, you know, look, check out those resources and see just some of the things that we've been talking about, the importance of maintaining that communication, yeah. even despite the divorce, you know, making sure that uh, the children are not, you know, blamed or, or, or allowing them to blame themselves. Yeah. They're not, yeah. In, the middle. They're not in the middle of a tug of war because, you know, that's just, damaging the children and it's not hurting the spouses 
No, no. And what happens with those damaged children, damaged adults, bad decision making? Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, um, I, as I've done a number of shows on this, and one of the statistics just blew my mind that 70% of the people incarcerated in the States are from foster homes. Wow. Now, what does I that know, tell you? I does know that a tell lot you there's them, a flawed system there? Yes, and a lot of them also are from fatherless homes, you know, who yes. never had fathers. Right. Well, especially right. on the Black... In fact, oh, I saw this statistic. 70 I think it was 79% of the black babies born in America are from single mothers. Isn't that criminal? <laughs> it's I mean, just heartbreaking. Oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> and, and then we wonder what's happening with our boys, what's happening right. with, our, with our girls, right. you know, as well. I mean, fatherlessness. I, I would love to see some politician somewhere saying yes. that we're going to have a, a war on fatherlessness. Right. You know, we got a yeah. war on poverty and a war on drugs. How about a war on fatherlessness? In fact, if you do that war on fatherlessness, you wouldn't have to do the war on poverty because no. you have at home. You right. wouldn't have to do the war on drugs because yeah. you've got stability there in the home. Yes. You know, you, you know, you can cut out all the other wars, you know, and, and hit that because that is so key. That is so key. Put the time, the money, and the investment in helping families who are going through hard yes. times stay yes. together. Yes. Even if there is a divorce, a friendly one where both mother and father are still very much in the, in the, in the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't invest in that family as a whole, we end up with broken kids, broken society. And we're going around and around on hamster wheel repeating the same old mistake because we're not being able to get off and go in a different direction and that direction is stop taking children away from their families unless they're totally abusive start helping the parents who are having difficulty to stay together to get a job to get off drugs to do whatever it is they need to do so the family can stay together in a unit stop taking a child out and just plunking them over there in an, another abusive foster home and that's all that they go through. So yes, the system is broken in education. It's broken in our foster uh, um, system. It's broken as a society. Amen, sister. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and to me, it's so easily solvable. Yes. To me, I don't, maybe I'm just hey, being- Hey, hey, wait, wait, women's common sense. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> roll up our sleeves common sense yes. let the common sense rule <laughs> yes, yes. and these women oh i remember you know in the the heyday of feminism when they were saying oh we don't need a man whatever i'm like shut up yes, yes. we do <laughs> yes 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 we, yes, we just no. need the right man but we also yes. have to be the right woman and yes. this is the thing is that we're always, you know, it's one of my favorite sayings, almost every show is as you're pointing fingers at people, there's three pointing back at you. Yeah. You're blaming the system, you're blaming the education, you're blaming the government, you're blaming the man, you're blaming this, you're blaming that. Where's your accountability? Yes. Right. Yes. And before you go out seeking love from someone else to define you, define yourself, mm -hmm. find that love within yourself for mm -hmm. yourself. 
for who you are, your meaningful purpose. Let yourself be abundant and your cup runneth over and you will attract the right vibrational love to you. Yes. Don't look to, for love to come to you to fulfill you or yes. to define you or to, you know, that complete you, complete yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I was talking with someone just yesterday and I was telling them how, um, I came from a long line of, um, single parents. Mm-hmm. My great grandmother, um, was a single parent because her husband had to go off to find work, you know, this right. is the depression. And my grandmother, um, my mother's mother was a single parent because her um, husband died at a very early age. And so she had to raise my mother by herself. Mm-hmm. And then my mother during her separation and divorce, she was a single parent, you know, and, but so what was key, especially I'm sure other black women will say the same thing that we are told as black women, you know, you have to become self-sufficient. You have to accept yourself love yourself, you know, be able to support yourself. Um, now, I, I took issue, did take issue with the fact that my, my grandmother would also follow that up by saying that, you know, you are, you are uh, educated, so you don't have to depend on no man for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that, grandma. You know, but the part about being self-sufficient and loving myself and having a good self-esteem, yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. I mean, look, we all want a partner in our lives. No matter who we are, we all want to have somebody to share our lives with. As I said, I've been, um, I had one little relationship in the last 20 years. Otherwise, I've been single for now for quite a number of years. And I said, well, don't you want to date? Don't you want to do that? And I said, you know, my life is very fulfilling. Yes. I, I, you know, I'm very immersed in the work that I do. I love it. I've got my children. I've got my family. I don't need someone in my life to make my life better, but it would be nice to have someone in my life to share those good times Mm -hmm. with, right? And that's the important thing is why do you want someone in your life? And what is it that you're looking to replace that you haven't been able to do for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's true. That's true. Um, there was a um, a um, theologian, and I I can't remember his name, but he used to always say that we have a God shaped hole in our soul, in our spirit, mm. and we try to fill that with other things, with relationships, with yes. money, with sex, with drugs, but really it comes to really having a relationship with the Lord, with God. You know, and we're not going to be fulfilled until we have that. And unfortunately, so many people haven't gotten that fulfillment and they're still out there seeking. And some of them are our age, Sarah, and they oh, still I haven't. Oh, I know. I know. I've interviewed them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, whether you're Christian, whatever your faith is, we need a faith. We need to understand that uh, this is a human vessel having a spiritual experience. And the spirit is also having a human experience. And the more we allow, you know, for me, I'm a knowingness person. So, you know, when the soul speaks to the gut in that, I don't know why I know, but I know the truth. Mm -hmm. It resonates with your heart in that truth. It goes to your spirit into action and your mind will know what it needs to know when you need to know it. That is the divine knowingness. You That's an old-fashioned term, Sarah. I know. Our, our grandparents used to say, I know it in my knower. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I know I'm, I know. I'm known as the knowingness woman. You know, it's that it's it's guided me. I, I counseled my teachers when I was young. I had no idea what I was saying to them. <laughs> right? Or you know where these words came from? Is this that they needed to know something, and it came through me? I was being guided. That was my divine gift to share. We've all got a divine gift to share. What we're here to do is discuss what that gift is, yes. how What's to use purpose? it, mm -hmm. our own meaningful purpose, and how to share it. Mm -hmm. Because we're here to be of service to one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's missing so much in our youth today, is yeah. that they don't feel attached to anything. Oh, they, yeah. they, they don't understand service. They don't understand gratitude. Mm -mm. Right. Wow. And these are yeah. lessons that need to be taught very, very young so they can appreciate um, all that they do have. And when they don't have something, don't get into despair and go, I've still got me and my abilities. Yes. So whatever I've lost, I can gain back or gain in another way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Courage. Courage. <laughs> it's just those good old fashioned character virtues. Yes. That they used to teach for years and years and years. And then, oh, I guess maybe in the late 1960s, early 1970s, they started saying that teaching character virtues is passe. <laughs> and the whole... Remember values clarification? Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a disaster. You know, that children are automatically born with the values that they need. And they just need to discover their inner goodness that's all that's in all children. And I said, well, the fool that wrote that either never had children, <laughs> never read the Bible. <laughs> I, you know, my, my children, I never had to sit them down and teach them how to lie. I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. I, you, it just naturally. But you do have to teach children those character virtues that you know and I know they need how to be respectful, how to be honest, how to be trustworthy, how to be courageous. You know, how those to be empathic, are the, you know? Yes, yes, yes. How to be compassionate. Yes. You know, you have to teach your children that. And if, and, and if you allow them just to discover their own inner goodness and their own values, hogwash. But you know what? Some of the, the chief proponents of values clarification, they wrote another book and they apologized. They yes. said, we were wrong. And I was yeah, like, yeah. yes, unfortunately, we've got generations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, the thing about your children, you know, is they're in discovery from the second they're born. They're sponges absorbing everything around them, vibrationally, physically, emotionally, visually, touch, everything. If we do not teach them kindness, caring, consideration, respect, gratitude, we are allowing our children to grow up to be narcissistic. Yes. Because they're still in that zone of me, myself, and I and my survival. Right? And, and there is a very big poster child out there in America right now that is the poster child for narcissism and when you've got somebody that is so utterly obsessed by their own self and it doesn't matter who else suffers for it it becomes extremely dangerous but out of every narcissist if you break it down inside there is an inner child just longing to be loved longing to be enough looking for that approval they didn't get it. They didn't get that moral compass. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. of that compassion compass. And this is who they are today. Self-obsessed people <laughs> that are running the country. <laughs> it's a big warning flag, right? You know, yeah. t- teach your children kindness, caring, consideration, Absolutely. respect, um, value, and, um, and love. You can't love them enough as far as I'm concerned. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And unfortunately, um, even today, uh, there has been some movement in teaching or we call character education, but we went for so long telling teachers, no, you can't impose your values upon your children. Right. You can't, you know, just because it, it's important for you to be honest doesn't mean it's important for them to be honest. No, you can't do this. And teachers had done this. This was the job of teachers for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. That was your job to teach the children the morals of the society. Yes. So then when that whole values clarification nonsense came on, you know, and, you know, they, they said, no, you have to have hands off. You know, you can't, you can't impose. And I, I was becoming a, a new teacher by that time, 1974. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the first books I purchased for myself was a values clarification book. Um, and it had different exercises in it, it, in it, it um, for example, different activities. For example, they had something called the lifeboat exercise. And you say, okay, you've got 10 people in a lifeboat, but you only have food for five of the people, you know? And they say, well, you, you've got a priest, you've got a prostitute, you've got a football player, you've got a doctor, you know, things like that. And they say, okay, discover among yourselves, discuss yourself, who is it that should be put out of the lifeboat? And you as a teacher, you couldn't interject your own right. values. You had to just allow the class to discover and to discuss, you know? So the big football player who says, oh, I think we ought to keep the prostitute because we can have real fun. You know, <laughs> you know, as a teacher, you couldn't say, oh my God. <laughs> thing to say. No, you had to say, well, John, thank you for sharing. Yes. You, you know, so next, anyone else? No. But uh, so values clarification was like, you know, and it was a whole situational ethics kind of thing that that our kids became immersed in, you know, you know, is it wrong to steal? No, it's not wrong to steal if you have something that I want or, you know, if I'm hungry, I go in the store and I see some candy, it's not wrong for me to steal, you know, because of the situation that I'm in and this whole situational ethics has just, oh. It's just harmed our children, harmed yeah. our society. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't teach our children accountability. Now, no. you know, no. punishment, you know, is not the beating. No, you know, you, punish- you send them to their room with their videos, yeah. their, yeah. Micro- <laughs> their right. CD players, their phones. Yes, it, it is. You know, what I used to do is I was a nanny when I first came here. And what I used to do when a kid would play up, when we're playing, it would be you're in the corner, but you're facing us. You can't participate. Uh-huh. You you can't participate in our fun activity until you change your attitude and apologize. Mm-hmm. And then you come out and you play nicely. I didn't put them in a corner, you know, facing the wall. I wanted them to see what they were missing yes. out on. Right? Change your attitude and then you can come back. Excellent. Excellent. That's like um, when I had my school, all boys school, uh, for recess, you never want to have them just sit because right. they got to get that energy. So 
the whole point of them being punished during recess was just that they couldn't play with everyone else. Right. So they had to just walk the circumference of the field as they looked inside the field and saw the boys right. playing, you know, football, whatever, but they were walking, they were walking, but they couldn't associate with them. They couldn't participate. And that's an excellent strategy. I have to give that, pass that on to my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, baby, you all want to be a part of something and, and being ostracized or saying you can't. Mm -hmm. It's like, why? Because of your attitude. Don't just punish mm -hmm. a child without telling them why. Oh, absolutely. Right. And it's absolutely. like, why is that? Well, because you did this and did that that hurt that person and that is just no go mm -hmm. you know that behavior well, go and think about it when you've changed your mind in which to come back in and play nicely then we're all in it together mm -hmm. I mean, my my house was the house everybody turned up in after school and then mm -hmm. who's staying for supper i had a very big house so we always had extra beds i oh. ended up with you know the teenagers that and either run away from home or home would kick them out, you know, was that kind of house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was it was always like the children were not being heard. The parent were just dictating mm -hmm. what the behavior should be and not listening to why the behavior is being the way it is. And mm -hmm. it's like, just talk to your children, please. And, you know, I remember at one point was finding out this child has no voice until they are of age. Their parent can make any decision for them and they have no voice. And I remember thinking this was just so criminally wrong because as a teenager, they very much, any child should have a voice at any age. We should listen at any age. But most certainly as a teenager, they have the right to participate in decision-making over them. Yes, yes, yes. There is a time and a place um, early on for the spankings. You know, yes. I, I, I spank yep. my children. You know, I yep. think God gave a part of the anatomy that's perfect for spanking. Yes. You know, there's no vital organs, no right. major blood vessels. And so, you know, we spank, but then you come and, and you also, like you said, you explain to them, this is what you did wrong. Yep. You cannot do it again. And then spank. Yeah. Now, but as they get older, you know, you have to be a little bit more creative with the punishment. Right. And you have to be able to talk more and because you have to appreciate, but I, I don't know. My, no one told my dad that my last spanking, I was 13. My <laughs> sister was 18. You know, we got the spankings at the same time because <laughs> so he never, I don't know. And so my sister was humiliated. She was just like, <laughs> I'm 18 years old. I just got spanked by my father. You know? <laughs> But uh, no, dad, no, that's a little old, but, um, yeah. but there is a place. And like you said, we have to recognize and we have to kind of wean them into, we're trying to make adults. We're trying to, 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 to sever that tie that they need us to, yes. to control them. And we have to, we can't just break it all of a sudden. We have to slowly, slowly allow them more and more not rope to tie themselves up with, but a little right. bit more, elongate that leash, yes. you know, to allow them to have more independence because you're trying to, again, prepare them to be adults and be their own decision makers, to be their own um, consciences, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to, to discuss, to have that own inner voice to, to lead them and guide themselves. Right. Absolutely. We're custodians of our children. We don't own them. Correct. Right? They don't owe us anything other than the respect 
of the time, the love, the investment in raising them. Yes. Our job is to fill their backpack with knowledge and wisdom and skills and tools and a consciousness. Good. Yes. yes. That they can go forward using that consciousness, knowing their boundaries, knowing how to use those tools, that whatever situation they can get into, they have a skill or a tool. You know, I always used to say to my kids, please make your mistakes while you're still at home. I'm here for yeah, you. That's good. Right? <laughs> that's now good. I'm going to, you know, whack you around the head and say, what were you thinking? That's got nothing <laughs> to do with the fact that I love you. I just disapprove of what you just did. But what did you learn from that? Yeah. My, my son was uh, skipped school one day. And uh, um, actually, it's a funny story because the week before, I'd got this phone call saying, this is the police and your son's just been arrested for murder. And I'm like, oh, and it was my son pranking me. Right? Oh. And then the week later, I get this phone call from, um, you know, you know uh, your son's in hospital with a broken leg. Yeah, Tyler, right. I'm buying that. Uh, no, ma'am. And I said, no, look, Tyler, I'm not buying it. <laughs> she said, no, ma'am. I said, really? <laughs> and he'd skipped school and he had gone up to this ravine and then they had this big, huge hook that they would swing from. And my son, when he pers- put his foot on the hook, said, no, this doesn't feel right. And he took his foot off. And somebody said, but my sister can do it. Are you a wuss? Mele go oh. challenge. He went on the hook. He Don't ended do up coming down an embankment of 20 feet, waking up in a ravine with his leg behind him. Completely snapped his femur, right? Ooh. Yeah. And he actually picked up his leg and put it in front of him. Oh. <laughs> but he knew. His instincts had told him not to. His ego got challenged. Mm -hmm. And this is something I think we also need to really address with our boys. There is a lot of ego with boys. And we've got to address where that ego is healthy and where that ego isn't. I think with our boys, especially, you know, they they want to save save face. It's all about pecking order with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to be at the bottom of the pecking order. Um, And... At the same time, we have to realize that there are some boys who, unfortunately, they are going to be at the bottom of the pecking yeah. order. And we have to help them as parents and as teachers to, for them to find something that they can kind of hang their hat on and, and, and raise their se- sense of self-esteem. Um, it, I told teachers, though, though, when you're in a class, you know, you have to be the top of the pecking order. You have to be the alpha. Right. Because, you know, Otherwise they'll boys, run all over you. Oh, please, yes. <laughs> Stampede. <laughs> don't, don't go in there being, okay, class. Oh, yeah, be no, you have to go in there and you have to say, look, this is because boys, boys need discipline. Yes. They need structure. Yes. The male brain needs structure. Mm. They can't, they don't deal well with these, with, with teachers or with parents who are like, da, 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 da. oh, I think I will do this today. Oh, no, I don't think I think we'll do. No, boys need structure. That's why boys um, uh, love the military. You know, mm. you get up at this time, then you go out and march, then you run, then you come and you eat, and then you come. Da, 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 da. It's just it's your whole laid out for them. Right. I always tell teachers when I do workshops, you know, you have to have a schedule that you stick to because it helps the boys get ready. You know, they don't multitask well. They don't transition well. They need time to transition. And if all of a sudden, you know, back to the boxes, if I'm in, if I'm a little boy and you've told me to copy something from the board, well, I'm in my copy things from the board box. You say, okay, class, it's time to come over the reading circle. 
I'm in my copying words from the board <laughs> box. I'm not in my reading circle box. Johnny, come quickly. I'm copying words. From <laughs> Johnny, if you don't come over, I'm copying. You yes. have to kind of transition them. You yes. have to give them a time to kind of close out that box. And then, and that can be something as simple as a countdown. Yeah. Okay, in 20 seconds, I want you to stop copying and come over. 10 seconds, nine, eight. And all that's doing is giving them a chance to transition because boys don't transition well. They, most boys don't multitask well. Oh God. No. <laughs> <laughs> they do one thing. But you know what, Sarah? That has allowed men to rise to the top of just about every single occupation. But that uncanny ability to be able to focus on one thing. Yes. Who are the top designers? The top fashion designers? Yeah. Men. Who are the top chefs? Yeah. Men. Who are the top musicians? Men. You know, because they they can focus on one thing all the time. And women, you know, we've got our strengths. We can focus on a whole lot of things. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we sh we need sometimes to be a bit more directional, right? Yes. You know, it's um you know, I had the wonderful Lachelle Atkins on yesterday. She is a mother of 15, 13 of which she's birthed herself. And she's a businesswoman and an author yes, and a podcaster. Heart. Yes, yeah, yeah. She is a wonderful soul. She truly is a wonderful soul. Oh my. But she ended up three times in hospital from, you know, anxiety and overexertion. Ditto. Oh, you think? By, yeah, exactly. By, you know, trying to be it all. Hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's okay, you may be capable, but learn to delegate, learn hmm. to invite other people oh, to join in. Now, yeah. men are pretty good delegators, aren't they? You know, if they can pass the butt for someone else to do it, they will, <laughs> right? But we, you know, we have to have control over uh, yes. it. You know, we want to make sure that it's done right. You're right. Yeah. So we yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we wear all the hats and our neck is wobbling. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, then we wonder why we're tired and wonder why he doesn't notice we're tired. <laughs> and he's just switched off because he's tired watching you. <laughs> yeah. And he's gone into his nothing box. Yes. Sitting yeah. on the sofa with the remote going through yeah. channels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember waking up in the middle of the night um, one many years ago and going, we're blaming the men for their behavior, but they're only acting on what they know. We need to re-educate them as to what is morally right and invite them to step up to that because they want to. They just don't know how because they've had no examples because there's been too much of the same programming going on for so long. So with the Me Too movement, it's not about male bashing. It's about women educating male on how they want to be treated. Yes. It's an invitation. I interviewed a guy in Switzerland who started an organization for women called Womanity, and it's supporting women in third world countries. And, and um, I don't know if it's Saudi Arabia or one of the, the um, Arab countries. He started a radio station for women hmm. to speak to women. And he said, I'm disappointed. There's only 40% men that listen. And I go, you've got 40% Arab men listening to women what? talk about women's concerns. That is triumph. That's <laughs> triumph. Because they want to know how to please yeah. the women. They want to know how to please their sisters and their mothers. They want to know how to behave. But nobody's teaching them. Mm -mm. They haven't been taught. They haven't no. been taught how no. to treat women. No. Uh, with my school, uh, my all boys school, um, 
someone once approached me and said, oh, you've got this for the boys. When are you going to do something for the girls? I said, this school is for the girls because we're raising godly boyfriends, godly husbands who know how to open doors and treat a girl with respect, who don't refer to a girl as a female. You know, she is a girl. She's a woman. She's a lady, not a female. A female could be a dog, a cat, or a bird. (laughs) We are trained. So they said, oh, Sacred Life Academy for Boys, the school for girls. I said, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're raising up husbands, future husbands and boyfriends for these girls. And And bosses. And bosses. Let's not forget that. If they have respect for the women that work with them or for them, then we wouldn't have so much discord going on in the workplace. Yeah. Oh, I have to tell you this story. We, um, our boys took um, a standardized test, um, Stanford nine test. And um, on one of the tests, they had a question. It was a social studies test. And uh, it was something like, um, Mr. Jones wants his class to go out to get water in the hallway. Um, how should he choose who goes? Um, number uh, And the first choice was um, he should take a vote. B, the boy should go first. C, the girl should go first. D, all of them should go at the same time. Well, it was a social studies test. The correct answer would have been take a vote because, you know, talk about democracy. What answer do you think my boys chose? Guys go first. <laughs> Let the girls go first. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's what we taught them. Right. And of course, they got it wrong. So I, I write the, the testing agency and say, you need to change that question. Yes, because yes. my boys who are being taught how to be gentlemen. In fact, I called them gentlemen. I didn't call them students. You know, I didn't call them boys. I called them gentlemen. You know, they're learning learn how to treat, how to uh, learn how to treat their mothers, how to treat their girl, future girlfriends, how to treat their grandmothers. And so when they got to that question, you let the girls go first. Bravo. There's a wonderful guy that I've seen on social media that has a boys club and he calls it the gentleman's club. And it's, it doesn't matter what age they are. They're all dressed in suits and dapper, oh, yes. you know, yes. to take pride on the way they present. We look at how some people are dressed today and mm-hmm. we've got to understand that how you dress is a representation of who you are yes, and yes, what you're inviting yes. from people. Yes. And, you know, the, when I did live in South Africa, the pants that came down by the knees, we used to call those crap catchers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as a mother, I just want to pull the damn things up. I mean, really, you know. And it's like, yes, everybody goes through their fashion. We've all gone through it. We all got back on those pictures and go, oh, God, what was I thinking? Yeah, the fashion was dreadful. <laughs> How could I wear that? But we've all done it, right? Um, but it's at some point, you are representation of who you are. Where is the gentleman inside of you? Where are you representing that gentleman? Because women absolutely love a gentleman oh yes 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 and uh, my boys were always rewarded because their uniform was a shirt dress shirt tie and when we went out on field trips they wore a blazer with it and you know people would stop because my school was all african-american all black boys and so you see all these young black boys 
walking along with their shirt, shirt suits, um, mm-hmm. their blazers and sh- shirts and ties, you know, and, and no sneakers. You know, they had to have dress shoes, dress slacks. And people would stop and just look and say, wow, look at that. And they'd come up to them and say, gosh, you gentlemen look wonderful. Yeah. And of course, they just swelled with pride. And that's I was telling them, see, guys, see? Yeah. See, now that's why, that's why, you know, Dr. Green's always after you, you know, you've got to dress this way. I said, because people, even though it's not fair, people will judge you first by how you look before they even get a chance to know what a wonderful person you are inside. Yeah, it is actually a fact that the uh, body movement is... um... 55% when somebody first meets you is on the way you present yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not be the suit, but do you look clean and put together? Mm -hmm. Do you look at at ease in your own skin? Mm -hmm. 30, because I always got to get this wrong, 38% is your tone of voice. Are you welcoming? Have you set the stage for people to listen to? Only 7% is the actual content. Mm. They don't even get to the content if they haven't bought your comfortability in your own skin and that tone of voice, which is welcoming. It's so important, isn't it? That's good. Mm. And that doesn't mean the Armani suit that you're going like this too, because, you know, it doesn't fit. (laughs) You know, you might be just simply a a shirt and jeans guy, but make sure it's, you know, clean and that you're well put together and that you're groomed. Because Mm -hmm. just as I say, it's it's just as important that the most important person in any company is actually your janitor. Because if the place is dirty, the bathrooms are dirty, you immediately look at the organization and go, well, if this can be like this you know how are they going to do business so your janitor making sure that everything is clean and pristine that when you walk in you feel welcome right is because of your janitor don't forget to thank them and i think that's also something hmm? that is insightful i like right but it's pride in what you do why Mm -hmm. is the janitor's job any less important than the ceo's job true Right. They've both got a responsibility. They're both forefront people that people, you know, are going to see first in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so whatever your job is, and they have to think this is something else we don't teach our kids. Pride in who you are, what you represent, how you treat people and your own accomplishments. And I'm not talking about ego. I'm talking about self-pride. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So pride and in, in your accomplishments and self-pride and yes. your abilities. Yes. And and how you can contribute to society and contribute to others and help others. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, uh, I read uh, on this was some years ago. It was talking about um, the self-esteem of especially and this was about American children. They said the self-esteem of American children, you know, is off the charts, but their academic ability was a whole lot less. Yes. You know, they felt good about themselves. But when it came to, you know, the academic ability and work and that kind of thing, you know, it wasn't, it was a, it was a disconnect there. Yeah. You know, if you're going to feel good about yourself, fine, but just don't feel good about yourself just for the sake of doing that. Have some pride about yourself. Have some pride in what you do and what you've accomplished. Yes. And 
you know, step out. I mean, you know, uh, oh, you know, there isn't anything for me. You know, it's like during this COVID right now, an awful lot of jobs are not available right now. But so many people have stepped into creativity and say, okay, I can't do this right now. But boy, I can do this because this is yeah. needs a su supply and demand or this is an area that's growing right now. And it's like there is always an answer if you're willing to participate, if you're willing to look, stop making excuses. And that's another thing that needs to be addressed, right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, what do they say? Uh, a, an excuse is just a reason wrapped up in a lie. Mm. You know, that, you know, and that's what's happening. These excuses and, and oh, poor me and feeling soft. For me. No, no. Like you said, you know, if you can't do this, I've, I was somewhere. Um, I think I was at a store or, or a restaurant or something hiring. They are hiring. So even though I'm an engineer and I lost my contract, hey, you know, to support myself and support my family, I'll go work at that grocery store. I'll go work, you know, in that restaurant. Right. Because it's important. And it's important for boys, especially. Yes. They've got to work. Yes. Yes. And, Otherwise, they don't. Yeah. They're, they're, they don't. Women can always find something to do, volunteer this and that. But the mm -hmm. men, you know, yeah. Uh, there was another one I uh, uh, had on last week. Um, beginning of COVID, her husband left and uh, she had seven children. And it's and her job, they had a business together and he took the business with them. And she's, what am I going to do now? And uh, she and her daughter came up with a brilliant idea of the resume reel of doing a resume in a video. So people can see you, they can hear you, they can engage with you, you can tell them all about you because we know the pieces of paper hardly ever get looked at, right? So this is a brilliant idea. So she didn't kind of sit down and cry you know, it was like, I've got seven kids here to support mm -hmm. and talk to her kids about it. And, and they've put this wonderful program and uh, together, which is something that makes sense because with everything being so digital nowadays, brilliant to have your resume on a reel. Yeah. Right? So they do it for other people. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Help yeah. them put a resume reel together that they can send out to various people, which I think is a great idea. Wow. Out of necessity, you know, chose to be creative, chose to look at another direction instead mm -hmm. of oh, why mo, woe is me, you know? Good, good, good. And, and that's why I love my country. You know, I love America so much because, you know, it's, it's not so much of, you know, who, you know, whose parent, who is your parent or yeah. whose child you are, but you can work, you can be creative, you can be. Yes, opportunities are there. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. And, the, and the land, of, and it truly is a land of opportunity. Yeah. I think that's what really riles me, you know, if you will allow me to just get on my soapbox. Yes, you know, go ahead. These, <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> these millionaire uh athletes going around talking about oh this country is terrible this country is racist this country i said wait a minute you earn millions and millions of dollars where else on this planet yes. could you be and be a millionaire where else yeah. Yeah. you know and so i'm i guess I, I love my country you know I, god bless america you know i'm mm -hmm. I, I, red white and blue that i bleed red white and blue and i love this country because um, nowhere else on this planet have um, Black people been able to excel mm. the way that they have in this country. And um, I know it's not perfect. There are no perfect countries. No.
you know, and there are no perfect governments, but I believe, you know, I'm in deference to Canada, I'm sorry, but I believe that uh, our country is, it has, it has to be the best in the world. And, and it, it really upsets me when I see people who have, who have prospered in this country right? and, and prospered because of how this country operates, but yet wants to turn around and trash it. To me, that's just yeah. unconscionable. I mean, I'm, I'm going to dive you into the Black Lives Matter and, you know, I'm, I, I may take flack for this, but, you know, I'm saying all lives matter, but what we're talking about is Black rights matter. We're talking about the rights of the black person to be equal, to be uh, unfearful of being able to walk down the street where, you know, without being attacked by the police or profiled or anything else. I've known many, many black women and, you know, the stories that they tell me and it's, it's wrong. Uh, but, it, you know, here we have very much the Aboriginal or very much the Asian because this is what's dominant here in Canada and my children are half Asian. All right. And so when the the COVID came out and it was from China, you know, the attack would be on the Asians, you know, as mm -hmm. if the person walking down, there was an old person with a walker walking down the street. And this woman came out of her way to trip her up and make her fall just because she was Asian. What? And it, yeah. Oh. And, and the thing is, this kind of hate rhetoric that we're seeing right now and the division of color and the division of sexes and the division of equality, really, quite honestly, is, you know, where the, the faith needs to come back into play is that we are all God's children and he made us on all sorts for a reason. And there is no one that is sublime over the other and that we're only good when we come together as a human race and mm -hmm. understand that that our color and our culture is part of the ingredient in that dish. Yeah. That's what yeah. makes the dish so exciting. And mm -hmm. it's not one better over the, the other. And I think, again, back to common sense and respect and gratitude and love you know yeah. let's let's just all step up and be a little kinder to ourselves mm -hmm. and to each other mm -hmm. and get off this whole bandwagon of hate division discord uh it's it never ever ever creates anything it only destroys i get um really annoyed with um uh movements that kind of hijack um, the civil rights movement. Um, and that's what um, Black Lives Matter, the organization, mm -hmm. I believe, has done. And again, I hope I don't get your program in trouble. But, don't worry um, about it. I can face <laughs> it. We're all entitled to an opinion. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, um, has, uh, again, hijacked the issues that black people in this country have had for hundreds of years yeah. and used it to change it and, and, and kind of meld it into another agenda. Mm -hmm. um, the women are self-avowed Marxists. If black lives really mattered that much to them, why aren't they out picketing Planned Parenthood locations? There are more black babies percentage-wise, that are killed each year than any other segment. Mm -hmm. You know, 18 million Black babies, you know, 
our, we, we're about 17% of the population, but about 30% of the abortions. Mm. Black Lives Matter, you know, how hypocritical. Why aren't you out there protesting that? Why aren't you in Chicago where Blacks are killing Blacks mm. daily? You know, over the weekend, you'll hear about dozens of people shot, children being killed. You know, why aren't you in, in, in Chicago protesting that? Yeah. You know, they said on their website, they've since taken it down, but on their website, they were against the nuclear family. And what were we just talking about? Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's what is destroying black families. The yes. fact that we don't have nuclear families with a, with a father and a mother raising children together. So yes, of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. White lives matter. Red lives matter. All lives matter. Don't take the struggles of our, of our, of our mm. black people and use it for these, for these political motives. You know, yeah. we're not Marxist, we're not communists. And for them to want to subvert the democracy that has allowed us to get to the level that we are. No, we're not there yet, no. but we're getting there. We're, we've gone a lot farther. When I was growing up, I can remember having to go to the bathroom and pulling into a gas station, but couldn't use it because on the door it said white only. Yes. You know, that's racism. Yes. Racism is when, you, you know, you, 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 your father goes into this new development to the sales office wanting to buy a house for his family. And he's told, I'm sorry, sir, we don't sell to Negroes. Right. You know, that's racism. Yes. The children now today, these young people, they don't know what racism is. Mm -hmm. To them, racism is someone kind of looking at them and rolling their eyes. To me, oh, you're racist. Or please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, you know, when when you know, I know that this all kind of came out of, you know, George and, and the police brutality. And uh, you know, the thing about the police brutality, yes, they target black people more than anything else. And uh, you know, just another black person was killed yesterday. And what but, we're looking but, at is a broken system in the police department, right? We're looking at it's not about defunding, it's about refunding and making sure yeah. there are social workers, there are community workers that go along with the police. And before you start shooting right look to what is the problem there and can it be resolved and be be there in the background if it goes wrong right but support the social worker or the community worker in trying to resolve the issue instead of just bringing out the guns and shooting it because now you've just created another problem so the the refunding of the police and incorporating more you know more societal and community um you know members there to to serve them as a whole instead of just because they become very militant. You know, that's the problem. Is but at the same time, Sarah, the incident that happened yesterday, and I, these policemen, God love them. <laughs> you know, if someone's breaking into my house, I'm not going to call a bank robber. I'm not going to call a rapist. You know, I'm going to call a policeman. But this man, and, and it was on camera, if you've seen the film, he was coming at them with a knife. Mm -hmm. They were backing up, telling him, drop the knife, drop the knife. And they're backing up and he's coming towards them. You know, in a split second, if I got to choose between that man with a knife threatening my life and me being able to go home to my wife and children, you know, I, I would just hate to be in that position. Now, in regards to George Floyd, you know, that, that, was, that was unconscionable. That was unnecessary. Yes. 
um, you know, you put your knee in someone's neck until they, you know. That was blatant murder. Yes. But yeah. at the same time, George, they told you, put your hands behind your back and stay still. George, they told you to get into the car. George, they told you to stop, to stand still. George, why didn't you listen? This mother yesterday with the man with the knife, the mother's yelling at him, put the knife down, put the knife down. Don't put the, you know, and he's running at the police with a knife. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's got to be some, some sense of understanding. Yes, there are some bad cops out there, but there are bad teachers out there. We were talking. Oh, God. Bad politicians and bad everything else. I mean, there's bad priests, there's bad everyone, but you don't. You don't defund the, the, the church because there's right. some bad priests. You don't defund the schools because there are some bad teachers. You know, you have to train the teachers or either get rid of them and hire teachers who know how to teach children, right. who understand and love children. It's about but refunding, it, isn't it? It's 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 more it it's different type of funding in the school system where it does become more interactive, where where you are paying attention to how the boys need to learn, how the girls need to learn, how they can learn together. You know, it's it's not about just sitting at the desk as you said all day long. If a kid needs to get down and do ten press ups, let them do it. <laughs> they need to get rid of that exercise, that energy, right? It's yeah. recognizing them as human beings, and you know it's. We've had this rigid system all the way along the line of basically black and white, do or don't, you know, and if you don't, you get punished. Mm. Do it my way. It's the only way. And mm. that type of rigidity in, in, in education, in life itself, we are all so many layers. Stop judging someone from one layer. Mm -hmm. Take the that time to understand anymore. the whole layer there before you judge them. Yes. That doesn't work anymore. It used to be that way. You could mm -hmm. be that way with children, you know, a hundred years ago. But the children of 2020, you can't, you can't know. <laughs> but a hundred years ago, how many kids were actually going to school? That's true. That's right? true. And look we're at how true. many kids were going to school now. And let's look at the technology that's there. Our kids are so much more technical savvy than the teachers that are teaching them. And technology, what you're learning today is already obsolete. Okay, There's something yes. else that's already there. And we've got to adjust to the times because we know, especially through this COVID, how, how digital we have gone. And yeah. if our children are not learning that digital, how to use it mindfully, properly, in a way that they don't get sucked into the computer. And that's all it is, that they learn how to use it as a tool to interact with, with life. If we don't adjust to the times and what their future is, we're meant to be preparing them for their future, not ours. Our time's over in that sense. It's their future. So we need to do everything we need to do to prepare them for their future and the moral compass that they're going to need in their future. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, this digital learning, Sarah, for our boys, it's not working. <laughs> Unless not they're a working. nerd. <laughs> Because, and I used to tell my boys, hey, a nerd will someday sign your paycheck. So Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but for most boys, I'm, and my mom is not here to monitor it. I'm supposed to sit down, log on at this time and do my lessons. But I'm here in my room and over there, I see my, my game, my video games over there, my other games over there, myself. You know, it, it's, it's just yeah. not the way boys operate. Right. And 
that's what we're doing now. We're looking at the data that's coming in. You know, how many of our boys are actually even logging on? Yeah. You know, what's the absentee rate, you know, yeah. um, how many of our boys are actually, once they do log on, are actually doing the lessons. Yeah. So this is really hurting our boys even more so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has to make adjustments. And, you know, uh, we've got to adjust how we teach our, our boys. Our boys has to also adjust to these are the challenges of your times right now. But what mm -hmm. you learn in these challenges will hold you in steadfast for your future, because who knows what you're going to have to face down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, what, again, what we're trying to do with the Boys Initiative, even though a lot of our resources um, right now are for the adults in the lives of boys. I'm really thinking, I think it's coming to me just as I'm talking to you. We need to have segments of our website and segments of our organization that's geared to our little boys yes. as well. You know, in fact, um, my sister, when I uh, wrote my book, she says, well, when are you going to write one for the boys, for themselves, mm -hmm. that a parent could give their, their son and have him realize that, wait a minute, you mean there's nothing wrong with me because I can't sit still for more than 15 minutes? Yeah. You mean there's nothing wrong with me? The fact that, um, you know, I don't like to read stories about Little House on the Prairie or Cinderella. There's nothing wrong with me that, you know, I like the color in just black and blues and, 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 and browns. There's nothing wrong with me, you know? And so I thought, oh, okay, that's a thought. So yes. perhaps in the Boys Initiative, we ought to have a segment of our website for the little boys. Thank you, Short, Sarah. short. Uh, precise graphic videos, yes, yes. Video, right? Yes. And, and if you can get somebody creative that can make it cartoonish or anything yes. like that, and you know, have these little characters uh, yes. facing situations, yes. and then this is the you know what they're given back, they're going to absorb that knowledge so much wow. more than wow. a natural book or anything else, right? Uh -uh. Do we have to pay you a royalty for that? <laughs> oh, yes. Nah. <laughs> but that, that's the thing is, you're right. They love the video games. They love the cartoons. They love the superheroes. Create a platform of little videos that are graphic. Yeah. Somebody can draw but plenty of people that are you know, out of work right now that have got great creativity mm -hmm. and bring in that lesson in each video with a graphic, an adventure over a couple of boys and the, and the, the situations that they get caught up in mm -hmm. and how, the, how they can overcome that and feel worthy and feel good about themselves. They yes. will absorb that. They really yes. will. Yes. Wow. I remember my son um, who, uh, when he was, um, Oh, I guess he was a teenager and my husband and I had just gotten remarried and my sister saw some of the pictures that he was drawing and they were like ninjas, you know, cutting heads off, mm -hmm. blood, swords, whatever. And she came to me and she said, Mel, perhaps you need to take him to see a psychiatrist. This isn't, this isn't good. And of course, I didn't know what I know now. And so I said, oh my goodness, Really? So we did. My husband and I took him to a psychiatrist. You know, we said, you know, we have been separated and divorced and, you know, he's gone through a lot and now he's drawing these pictures. So he went in and he met with the psychiatrist. We sat outside. And so when he came out and we were leaving, he says, mom, you took me to a psychiatrist? I said, well, honey, you're drawing these pictures of people getting their heads cut off, whatever. 
He says, well, if you don't want me to draw them, then just tell me, don't draw them. I won't draw anymore. <laughs> now you told me that $300 later. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I didn't know that for a little boy, he's going to draw stuff like that right. and not turn into an ax murderer. Right. My son, my son now works at the Pentagon, so he passed the security clearance, so I guess he's not an ax murderer. <laughs> you know, but that's the kinds of things that he would draw. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> and that's totally normal. So those little boys need to know, you know, you drawing the guts hanging out and, and talking about, you know, boogers and, and all this other kind of gross stuff. That's what boys do. That is what boys do. But we've also got to remember that they are the people that are the warriors. It's in their system. Yes. You know, it's they're always True. fighting for something. Yes. We as the women are the peacemakers. We're yes. always trying to bring nurturing and harmony to the situation. The boys yes. are all on, out there, you know, with, with you know, I'm going to defend you. Yes. I'm going to fight. And yes. you know, we glorify veterans, you know, and respect to yes. veterans. I interview many of them on my veteran show. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if we could stop glorifying war, if we could stop glorifying the killing of each other, if we could stop glorifying it and, and look at there's different ways to defend your honor, your family's honor, your, your, the people that you love, there's different ways of doing it rather than a gun or a weapon. And that the greatest weapon you can have is your tongue and how you speak and how you use it. And if we could teach them that, instead of the other violence, but this is all they've known. This is all they've ever been taught. We have to reteach them yes. how to use the vocabulary as a weapon mm-hmm. rather than, mm-hmm. uh, rather than uh, you know, picking up a gun or a knife or anything else. Unfortunately, Sarah, they've been trying to do this for thousands of years and I don't know. Hey, I don't give up. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, you know, when something's worth fighting for, you just keep fighting for it, you know, and, and, you know, I believe very much in the ripple effect. And if, you know, one person can change and they become the inspiration that begets the invitation and they have a ripple effect and we may not see it on the surface because it's certainly something you're not going to see on CNN. But, you know, if we have that underground of change, Mm -hmm. that underground of that ripple effect, that love is your honor kindness and caring and respect is your integrity that is your word and that is your defense if we could teach them that um and and really show the approval when they do it believe Mm. me it will change it will change the chemistry in their mind and it will change their actions and it will show other people who thought there was no other way out a way out we've just got to be persistent yes yes we can try, Sarah. We can. That's all we can do. We can invite, right? You know, because that inspiration is that invitation. And if we can inspire someone to change themselves, we can't change them, but we can inspire them and they make that change themselves and then reward them for That's it. That's true. That's an important part, especially yes. with boys. Yes. They, they want to be rewarded. And it yes. doesn't have to be necessarily material no. award. Just, a, you know, a praise. Yes. Right. Gratitude. Yes. Thank you. I saw that. I like yes. that. Thank yes. you. Continue yes. to do that. Yes. Oh, I got approval for that. I'm going to do yes. it more often. Right? And none of this, everybody's a winner kind of nonsense. Right. Yes. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> I want to win. Is it got to be winners and they got to be losers. None of this. Everybody gets a trophy kind of stuff. Right. That's not resonating. And, and the thing about being a loser, be a graceful one. Yes. Are you a loser? Let's change the word. 
you did not win, but that does not make you a loser because you participated and did your best. Yes. Next time, you know, okay, I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that. Next time I'm going to do better. Yes. And if we didn't have people that kept persisting and trying to make things better all the time, we wouldn't even have the light bulb. Mm -hmm. Good. Good point. Excellent point. How many times did they say? What? Thousand. Uh, Six hundred. <laughs> thousand. I knew it was, I knew it was up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you imagine if he gave up, Ooh. right? And, and the thing is, we know too that the programming in the brain, depending how deep it is and whether it's DNA uh, genetic as well, it takes at least eight times of a new practice to delete an old practice and sometimes even more. Mm -hmm. So the more that you are being repetitive on the good behavior and the more you're rewarding that good behavior, the more that good behavior is going to turn into practice and will also start deleting some of the old programs in there yeah. on its own. Yeah. So we've just got to be persistent. That was the whole premise behind educating for character, character education. Yes. Yes. You know, when schools had their character education programs, you know, before it was just kind of, fluffed off is that that was an important part you know we taught the character virtues and yet we also had a system of rewards right. in there as well yes we had some consequences too unpleasant consequences yeah. if they did not but at the same time we did and people say well you're just rewarding them for doing what they're supposed to do i said no until we can get it ingrained in them we're going to reward them it's called acknowledgement Yes. Acknowledge. I acknowledge what they did. Yes. The reward is in that acknowledgement, right? Yes. And we yes. all want to know that what we're doing counts. Yes. And I tell people who say that, I said, well, how many times would you continue to go to your job if you did not know that on Friday you were going to get a paycheck? Right. I mean, come on, you know, yes. <laughs> yes. we all need our incentives. Yes. And, and we all want to, you know, to know that, um, that we do, you know, that what we're doing is making a difference, a positive mm. difference. And to have that verification, you know, um, is, is the validation that what we're doing or who we're being is right, is the right path. Mm -hmm. And it encourages to continue on that path. But if we ignore it, and if we don't acknowledge it, or we dismiss it, then they're going to go, well, this doesn't work. I'm just going to go yeah. back to my old way. Yeah. Yeah. What's good of, of yeah. doing it? You know, hey. Yeah. Yeah. So it's up to us. So your book, uh, if you'd like to show it again and tell us exactly where people can get it and also yeah. how people get hold of you and the initiative. Oh, absolutely. First of all, the Boys Initiative is theboysinitiative.org. Uh, we also have um, a Twitter account and Facebook account that you can also see on uh, our website, theboysinitiative.org. My book Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, 10 Steps to His Success in School and in Life. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, in fact, I think anywhere where good books are sold, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can get mm -hmm. that. Um, uh, my contact information is on the inside of the book. My email is visionconcepts at comcast.net. Visionconcepts at comcast.net. And um, also, uh, in, in regards to contacting me, I also do workshops for teachers. Uh, right now, my workshops are virtual, mm -hmm. but uh, I really enjoy doing that. And I'm looking forward to being able to um, get out and back into the schools and working with teachers. You know, so many of our teachers don't know 
what this book teaches. Mm -hmm. The fact that boys learn differently than girls. And this is how you can help. You know, they're wondering why aren't our boys excelling? Why aren't, why are they doing so poorly and academically and behaviorally? This book will try to help you in right. that respect. And if we don't invest in our boys, their behavior in every aspect of their life is is not going to be good and the way they treat women is not going to be good and we want to change that system and how we change that system is to cha change the way we treat and educate our boys right from the word go absolutely absolutely no woman wants to marry a man or have a man in her life who is uneducated, who can't provide for himself, let alone for her and a family. Yes. So education is the key. Education yes. Key. Yes. And it's not just an education academically. It's an education, you know, spiritually, morally, character, mm -hmm. um, the caringness. You know, we know that a man who cares, that shows kindness and consideration and goes out of the way is the sexiest man alive. Oh, <laughs> right? you know it, oh absolutely. <laughs> you know, somebody that you know steps out of thinking about themselves to think about others. And I mean that kindness we love as women. We love yes. because we're nurturers. Yes. And we love to see that nurture in our men. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, you know, we all have gone for the bad guy somewhere along the line, you know, the bad boy. And it's because they, you know, seem daring and sexy and because we want to tame them. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck with that. Once I get him, once we yes. marry him, I'll be able to shape him. And yes, yes. I want him to date. No, <laughs> it ain't going to happen, darling. <laughs> and the thing is, there's the bad boy, you know, um, and there's the bad boy. And, you know, what you don't want is the bad boy that just really, you know, has, I mean, again, I've interviewed so many people who have had horrific things happen to them growing mm. up, you know, the sexual abuse, the violence, mm. the neglect, you name it. And they went down their path, the roller coaster of self-discovery and self-abuse and abuse everywhere else until they finally came to that crossroads of their own self-awareness, their own self-love. And now they're out there doing wonderful things for other people to try and change the system that broke them. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that even if you've had hard times, even if you've struggled, what we're here for is discover our strength, discover our courage, discover how much ability we really do have to discover their meaningful purpose to step up in that light and be of service to one another because that's truly what humanity is about and when you do you become so much more enriched so much more abundant so much more contributing and so much more of the solution and yeah. that's you know that is not just for the men in the world it's for all of us in the world we are all a part of this system and if we want to see the system change then we need to change uh, around in and for the system yes amen i'll give you another amen system <laughs> so the site again is theboysinitiative.org mm -hmm. um the book is please teach me like i'm a boy 10 steps to his success in school and in life yeah both of yeah. them together i don't want I him to be a success in school but you know straight a student with a F in character. Right. Oh boy. <laughs> There's quite a few without character out there right now. And you know, it's a, I don't care how intelligent you tell me you are. 
unless I see compassion in that intelligence, and then um, as far as I'm concerned, you're dumb. Mm. <laughs> So it's time really for all of us as, as a human race to step up and raise that frequency and that vibration into love and kindness, because we know that is the creativeness, that's the solution, that is where the harmony is, and that is where we need to go as a human race, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to change. We're going to have to change or we're going to perish. Yes. Perish. Oh boy, are we. I mean, we don't have to wait for aliens to come and destruct us. We're doing a very good job of ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the rest of the universe is just sitting back and go, okay, what's happening next? You know, everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I say that, you know, with this year, if if somebody had written a script and said in 2020, there's going to be a pandemic and Ah. there's going to be this and there's going to be that and there's going to be this. And they'll say, no way, man. Nobody would ever believe all of this could happen in one year. And here we are. (laughs) Oh, my word. But what a test of character. What a test of who we are as a human nation. What a test of our compassion, our love, and our abilities. And if this is the invitation to rise up to it, right? Be yeah. the change we seek. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So let's start with our boys. Let's give them all the tools and skills and love and, and, mm. and encouragement they need so they will make better fathers, better brothers, better, better sons, and better bosses, and yeah. just be better human beings in their life. You know, we, we don't want to throw them away because life was not there for them. We want to show them how we can be there for them so that they can be the best fruits of life that we can pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to give them that moral basis, that moral foundation, because boys without that moral foundation had the potential for, to do great harm. Yes, so they certainly why, do. That's why we must, we must. You know, there's no no answer, but no, no. yeah, yes. Uh, again, we've created this problem, right? And so now we need to create the solution, and we need to do this because we cannot have any more broken human beings in this world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's before we have to fix them, let's empower them. Yes. So they don't have to be fixed; they can fix themselves. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Thank you so much, love. We've gone quite over on time. Oh, I don't care. There was so much fun. information here and uh, so much to, to share. And uh, uh, we, you know, we definitely went round the gamut there. But you know, really, when it comes down to it, it it is a it's simply about the love and 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 God's universe because what He wants for us is peace, isn't it? He yes. wants us to be creative in that peace and that compassion not only for ourselves, but for humanity, for all life on this planet and for the planet itself. And when we step up and into that harmony of love, then we really do understand what we're here for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So So, let's not leave anyone behind. No, no. So again, just putting in a plug in for the boysinitiative.org. We have a weekly newsletter that we put out with articles from around the world about the issues involving boys so folks can sign up for our e-newsletter as well and share it please yes and soon to come 
yes. YouTube videos for boys on how to be a hero in their own existence. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm going to be talking with our CEO about it. I'm oh, yeah. No, I'm I just, it's the way they're going to, they're going to see it. There's the way yeah. they're going to participate. Those wonderful subliminal messages mm -hmm. that are going to happen in this that will shift their whole mind perspective. I Hit like them it. where they're going to learn, you know, don't, like don't put it. out a manual and won't ever look at it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, lover. Thank you thank so much you. for being here with us today. And thank you for inviting me. This has been a joy. Thank my pleasure. My pleasure. My ditto. Absolute joy. So, folks, remember, you know, while you're passing judgment on the adult, look back to who they are as the children and how we have misstepped and not taught them well. And to your own sons, you know, uh, it's time to stop pushing this and that on them and start listening to them. Uh, and really don't forget that loving arm around them is important at any age, no matter if they get, Ooh, it doesn't matter. They all love that loving hug. They all need it. We do too. And that's what makes everything else keep going around. So keep the love alive until next time. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.